You are now free to fly for free. Hello, and welcome back to Miles Flying with Yehuda. Welcome back, indeed, as it has been quite some time since we've had our last podcast episode. I apologize for that. I would call it a little bit of a break with the uh, Jewish holiday that took place recently, Pesach, also known as Passover. Um, And that took place over the last two weeks, and between preparations for that and... uh, Finishing up, you know, some work I had to get done in order to be able to go on a little break there. I didn't really have too much time to put together an episode, and I apologize for that. Um, I got several requests over the last few weeks to come out with another episode, and so I do appreciate that feedback, and it is great and exciting and encouraging that people are listening, subscribing, and interested in more episodes. Um, and so here we are today. We are back and better than ever. So. On today's episode, I thought we would talk about my trip that I actually took. This was not a super long or big vacation of any sort. This was for half of the Pesach holiday. Um, My wife and I took a trip out to to Denver, which is where her family is from. And uh, I thought I would give what you might call a mini trip report. Uh, A trip report is essentially, it's usually an online uh, a forum where you uh, write out the details of how you booked your trip, how you booked your flights or your hotels or your car rentals and any activities you did. And then you actually go through the itinerary of what you did on each day and you include pictures and all these things. You would find this in several different uh, places online where I'm, you know, from locally. It would be the Dan's Deals forums where people would write trip reports, but you could find them on Flyer Talk forums. You could find them on people's blogs. You can find them on TripAdvisor. Um, and so here I figured I'd go with a little bit of a of an audio spin on that. I guess since everything I'm doing is an audio spin of, you know, what's traditionally been a very much online visual uh, content uh, medium. So we went to Denver, and uh, right away I knew Southwest was how we were going to fly, um, and we booked this back in February. So if Passover and just happened in the middle of April now. I try always book my Southwest flights six weeks or more in advance. I find that that's just about the time when the prices for the flights start going up. <clears throat> now, uh, because Southwest is very flexible um, with cancellation, I actually booked six different flight options for this trip, for this round trip ticket. And that was because, uh, for those not familiar, Pesach has uh, several different sets of uh of uh, uh, would call it holiday days um, in which you can't uh, travel, you can't uh, your electronics, and uh, and therefore I wasn't sure whether we would go for this first set of days as it's called or the second set of days, and I w- or maybe the whole thing. So because of that, back in February I booked different flight options to fly out and return on different days. In the end of the day, of course, we only took one of those flights, and the benefit of Southwest is that you can cancel a flight up until 10 minutes before the flight. Um, I mean, always, always check that, that your terms and conditions of your refundable tickets when you book them. But uh, that's the case, especially with using uh, your award miles to fly on Southwest. And so that's a really great flexible benefit there. And as Southwest has sales throughout the year, um, a few sales had popped up on my radar that I was informed about via Twitter. And um, when those sales came up, I gave a quick check to my tickets and actually on several of those six flights that had been booked uh, there were some 
sales, some discounts that had happened to my flights and Southwest is extremely flexible again in that regard. You give them a call up and uh, they will lower the price of the ticket down to what it is currently at and refund you the difference in points uh, or in dollars had you used dollars. So that was also very exciting that my, my flights ended up getting cheaper. And the final cost of the trip we ended up taking was 20,000 points round trip. Um, just about. Southwest doesn't have exact numbers rounded to the dollar, rounded to the ten thousandth of a point, one thousandth, one thousandth of a point, but uh, approximately twenty thousand points. And I would say that's a, a a fairly good value for a flight. Most of the standard airlines, the, the big three U.S. airlines, American, Delta, and United, have a set standard rate anywhere in the U.S. 48 domestic flight to another U.S. 48 is always. 12,500 miles each way for 25,000 round trip. That is the standard, uh, what to expect. Um, it's actually not called standard, as we'll get into another episode when we discuss more about using your miles. But uh, that type of ticket is called a saver award ticket. It's the lowest level you could find um, without, with, with a few exceptions. But generally, it's considered 12,500 miles each way. Um, now, you're not guaranteed to always have that availability to use your miles at such a low rate, but that's the lowest rate you could generally get. Now, some airlines have a little bit of a cheaper option if you're flying a short flight, what's called a short haul flight, um, which is generally just a couple hundred miles. And uh, we can get into that in the future. Those tickets could be cheaper, 10,000 miles, could be seven times uh, 7,500 miles. Um, so we'll get that into the future. But because generally the cost would be 25,000 miles for a round trip, I, right away I would say a 20,000 ticket with Southwest is a fairly good deal. Double that to make it even better is having the Southwest Companion Pass, which is something I've mentioned probably in every episode at this point. Um, but because I have that, it means that Eliana, my wife, gets to fly for free on any Southwest flight I take. She just pays the $5.60 9-11 security fee. And uh, therefore, my 20,000 costs divided by two is now 10,000 round trip, which is an incredible, incredible deal going out to Denver from New York. Um, the, you know, uh, I mean, I could talk, we've talked about the companion pass before, but a quick refresher that if you earned 110,000 Southwest points in one calendar year, you'd be able to bring a companion with you on any future flights you take for the rest of that year. And the following year, so because I earned it in January of this year, I'm able to get it for the whole 2017 as well as the entire 2018. You can also change who your companion is three times per calendar year. Now, generally, I usually fly with my wife, so I'm happy to keep her as my set companion. But you know, technically, I could change it a couple times if I had to take a flight with someone else. And it doesn't matter whether the flight is a cash revenue ticket or it's an award miles ticket. Your companion gets to come for free. It's really quite something. As long as there's an empty seat on the plane and you already have a ticket for yourself, your companion comes. So that cuts the cost of the trip in half. 10,000 miles round trip, literally pennies, pennies. That you know, you're talking worth a value of about 100 to 130 maybe dollars per person round trip. A great price. So now let's go on to the actual trip. Uh, because we were staying at my in-laws, we did not have any need for a hotel or a car rental. Um, and so none of that would be part of this report. But um, we're going to talk about the airport experience and the flying experience that we experienced this time, as well as some activities that we did while in Denver. 
We were flying out of Newark Airport. I like flying out of Newark Airport since I am from that area of New Jersey. Uh, and I consider it my home airport, even though I'm in New York now, and we have three airports that are less than an hour away. Um, but I do like flying near, out of Newark. Uh, my mother still lives in the general area, and so it's great to park our car in her driveway and get a ride with someone in the family for the short ride to the airport, or even take an Uber for usually just 10 to $15 to get to the airport. That is cheaper than paying for on-site parking or off-site parking at the airport. Um, and so we do prefer that. We got to the airport um, not too early, which is you know a little bit uh, discomforting for my wife. She likes to get there two hours early. We got there um, closer to an hour, uh, maybe an hour and a half beforehand. Um, we checked in. Uh, there was no line at all. We dropped off a bag or two um, for checking in. And uh, then we went down to security. Now, I like that, that Newark Airport especially at Southwest. Southwest check-in door, check-in uh, line is right at the escalators to go down to security. It's a short escalator down and security is literally right next to where Southwest is and you go straight through. Generally, uh, security is not too bad, especially because we have TSA PreCheck. TSA PreCheck is a, for those who don't know, it's a program run by the government to allow people to have expedited security screening, uh, Number one, you usually have a separate line at the airport for security, which is usually a shorter line. You are able to go through a regular regular metal detector instead of one of the wave, uh, you know, full body scans that they do. You can keep your shoes on. You can keep your belt on, your jewelry, your hats, your uh, light outer jackets. Your laptop can stay in your bag. It doesn't need to go into its own bin. There's a lot of nice benefits, and it does make the process faster almost always. Now, this program is, for some reason, not everybody has it, and I don't really get it because in order to be eligible for it, you just need to go online onto their website and pay a $100 registration fee, get approved for an interview, and you go into one of their stations, which are usually in big airports, and you go in for a five-minute interview, which is not really an interview. They just scan your fingerprints, and they run a quick background check, I believe, and, and that's it, and that lasts for five years. For five years, $100, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Now, when you're in the credit card world, you learn that a lot of the higher-end credit cards offer a TSA pre-check statement credit, which means that if you pay for the $100 fee with your credit card, they will give you back the $100 as a statement credit to cancel out the purchase and the charge. Um, and so therefore, I have it for myself and my wife has it. Some cards that offer this, and I, I don't know them all off all by ha offhand, but uh, the Chase Sapphire Reserve card does have this benefit. Um, I believe the City Prestige card has, these benef has this benefit. The American Express Platinum cards have this benefit, and that's the regular Platinum, the Business Platinum, the Mercedes-Benz Platinum. All those cards have it, um, and uh, it's really a great thing that I think everybody should get. Of course, if everybody gets it, then the line will be a lot longer. Anyway, on this trip to the airport, there was no TSA pre-check line. It was closed, and so there was only one line, and the line snaked around and around and around and went all the way down to the Dunkin' Donuts, and I said, whoa, that's a really long line. We already pressed for time as it is. You know, you get a little bit frustrated because you paid for T TSA pre-check. You have it on your boarding pass, but... Uh, there's no line for you. So we had to get in the regular line. Eventually, they split us up and opened up a second line for everybody to get into. And it didn't end up taking that long. And even when there's no official TSA pre-check line, when you get to the TSA agent, he will hand you or she will hand you a card, a pass that says expedited security, which means that if there was 
a wave machine next to a regular metal detector. They'll let you go through the metal detector and they allow you to do some of the things that you're normally allowed to do in terms of keeping your shoes on, things like that. But for some reason, they made me take out my laptop. So it's, it's not the same full-fledged service, but it you know was still somewhat expedited. So we got through there and uh, then we get out to the southwest gate. Again, the gates are really close to the security. I mean, if there's no line by anything, you can get from walking in the doors of Newark Airport to your gate, um, at least by the southwest area, and in literally five minutes, you know. Um, so this took a little bit longer than that because of the long line by security. Now, at this point, it was a half hour before the flight, which is when boarding begins for basically every flight. And uh, I'll quickly explain the southwest boarding policy, as opposed to other airlines where you get to choose your flight online or on the phone beforehand or where you get assigned a seat if you do not choose on your own, Southwest doesn't give out assigned seats, and instead, uh, they have open seating. And the way to figure out how you get on the plane is that 24 hours before the flight, you can begin to check in for the flight. Just like all airlines, you can check in 24 hours beforehand online. And as soon as you check in online with Southwest, they give you a boarding position, um, which they break up between three groups, group A, group B, and group C, and it's literally first come, first serve. So the first ones to check in will get A's, then B's, and then C's. And they number the A's and B's and C's from 1 to 60. So you got A1 to 60, B1 to 60, C1 to 60, in order of who checked in first exactly 24 hours beforehand. Now, it's very hard, almost impossible to get the beginning of the A group because there is the ability that you have to pay an extra $12.50, I believe, to get early bird check-in, which means that the Southwest system will check you in a few minutes before the 24 hours before your flight to guarantee that you'll have an A boarding position. I think they try to guarantee it's between A1 to 15 that you'll get, something like that. Um, plus, even at the airport, you can go in and pay. At that point, it's about $40 to pay to get yourself bumped up to one of the A groups. Um, but... Uh, Generally, you know, if you check in 24 hours beforehand, you can get either the end of the A's or the beginning of the B's, depending on how quickly you got into there. Um, now, I had, uh, because uh, we were flying in the middle of the Pesach holiday, uh, the day before the flight was actually one of the holidays, and I was not able to use a computer, and therefore I could not check in 24 hours before the flight. So I checked in that evening as the holiday ended, and... Uh, I was given in the, I think it was towards the end of the B's um, when I checked in, um, which is still surprising. That means that all the C people had not even checked in yet. We were talking hours after you were allowed to check in. Why, why that still happens? It could be people don't know how Southwest boarding works or not, but uh, I thought that was a little bit interesting that there were still so many quote-unquote early-ish seats available to uh, uh, positions to grab. So we got the end of the B's. Um, but the reason why I wasn't so nervous about that is because uh, my wife is actually expecting a child, our first child. We're very, very excited about that. And uh, one uh, uh, nice thing that Southwest has here is that pregnant women and their spouses and family can uh, have pre-boarding and early boarding onto the plane. And so I was under the impression that they basically just show up at the gate and you tell them there – and they will allow you and your family to board after the A group has finished, but before the B group gets to go on. And so, therefore, you're going to be, you know, one of the first 70 on the plane, 60, 70 on the plane. And so you'll definitely get two seats next to each other. You'll definitely get, uh, uh, you know, towards the front of the plane. Um, and so I wasn't nervous about that. However, because we got to the airport so late and because security took a long time, we 
got to the gate as they were ready, the A's were already going on. And so we quickly rushed up to the uh, agent. You don't want to bother them because, you know, they're trying to board everybody out to the plane. And we, you know, kindly said, you know, excuse me, is there, is there any way to board a little bit early? Do you have some sort of policy that allows that? Because we weren't 100% sure. And, you know, I pointed to my wife, who was obviously pregnant at this point. And uh, the lady said, sure, you can go on now. It was just as the A's had finished, and she let us on after the A group. Um, she did give us a little bit of a hesitation and a look, and I was wondering what that was all about. Um I found that out a little bit later, which we'll get to, but there is an official policy and procedure to follow here. We did not exactly do that because I wasn't familiar myself with how to do that. But we get on the plane, and we're pretty early in terms of getting on the plane. There was plenty of room for our overhead uh, items, and we got our seats that we like towards the front of the plane, uh, and uh, we had what was expected to be a, a normal flight. Uh, departing on time because we everybody was on the plane seat buck, buckled in and we backed out of the plane out of the gate on time and uh then we went into a little bit of a line to get to the runway and uh, my wife claims this is not the first time this has happened to us at uh newark airport um but as we are waiting online and not moving we hear uh, attention, everybody. We are number 14 in line to take off. 14. Uh, we couldn't believe it because I mean, as you sometimes might be the second in line or third in line, you can usually see the planes taking off in front of you. And you see that when a plane takes off, they you know roll up slowly and then they have at least five to ten seconds on the ground while they're taking off. And then you wait a good two to three minutes for that plane to be far enough out of the airport airspace before the next one rolls up to take out. And if we were 14th in line, we're talking a good half hour or more just sitting here slowly making our way towards the uh, runway. So that wasn't fun. After a couple of minutes of sitting here and slowly moving up, I noticed one second we're turning. Now this is not like here on the highway and you're stuck in traffic and some guy says, hey, I'm going to turn it to the shoulder and drive by a little bit. No, we were turning around and uh, we headed back to the gate, at which point we heard another, uh, attention everybody, we're going to head back to the gate. Uh, there is an issue with our air conditioning system that has just arisen. Uh, we're just going to go back to the gate. It'll take just a couple of minutes. We'll fill out some paperwork and uh, figure the situation out. Thanks for your patience. Oh, boy. You're ready. Everybody's on the plane. You're ready to take off. You think you're taking off, landing on time. You hear that there's a 14-line backup. Wasn't fun. And now we're going back. So we get back to the gate, and we're waiting there. And right away, I said to my wife, this is not a couple minutes. This is minimum a half hour, of course. And every few minutes, I appreciated that the pilot came on to give us an announcement of an update. Most of the updates just said we're almost done with the paperwork, almost done with the paperwork. But once in a while, we heard a little bit of explanation. Um, I mean, I thought the air conditioning was working just fine in the plane, but maybe it would have gotten worse during the trip. To solve the problem, they were going to fly at a lower altitude, um, which apparently would make the system work better. And uh, they were therefore flying at a lower altitude. They would need more gasoline. So they also had to bring in a tanker to refill us with more than we had to begin with. Um, but thankfully, we didn't have to do an uh, aircraft swap. And we were able to stay on the plane on the metal that we were on already. Uh, and uh, after about a half hour, a little more than that, uh, they were finally ready to uh, have us back out of the gate once again and get back online. And yes, there was still a line. 
But finally, eventually, I think it was about an hour and 15 hour, 20 minutes after we were scheduled to depart, we departed and uh, we were in the air and we had a nothing to write home about flight. It was pretty regular, pretty standard uh, as it is with Southwest. Fell asleep a little bit, you know, and uh, before we knew it, three and a half, four hour flight was done and we were landing in Denver. So we had a nice holiday in Denver and uh, we spent a lot of time with family, good meals, good food, good times. And afterwards, we had one day to do an activity locally and we took a trip to the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, uh, which was a little over an hour away from Denver in Colorado Springs. Um, And that was actually a great zoo. We had a great time there. You could do things like feed the giraffes. There were loose wallabies that you were allowed to like walk through their path that was not in a cage, but uh, they didn't come over to us. They trained quite well. Um, they had a really interesting display of the reptile room where instead of just having the reptiles in, in tanks around the walls, they were actually kind of like on in their own individual tanks on different pedestals with different interesting items in their tanks like pottery and dishes. They, they definitely had it arranged in a very different way than you would expect in the average aquarium or zoo um and i mean the gorillas were great i mean we had a great time at the zoo it's also it's built on a mountain on the side of a mountain and therefore walking from each activity and each uh uh you know exhibit which actually are not too far away from each other you are climbing the mountain or you're cutting across bridges and trails so it adds a lot of an activity to visiting the zoo we had a great time. It was really, really fun. Um, and then finally, on our on our last evening, we uh, made it out to Bonnie Bray for ice cream, which is one of my favorite parts of going to on our Denver trips is getting some ice cream from Bonnie Bray. I mean, it's homemade ice cream in this little cute little store. You walk into it, and the smell of homemade ice cream just overpowers you. All the flavors that they have, oh, it's really great ice cream. Can't say enough about it. Definitely the best ice cream I've ever had in my life. Um, and the next morning, we woke up nice and early for our return trip. Uh, I'm sorry that there was not so much of talk about the actual trip, what we did, and that's because on a holiday type of trip, like so many of our trips to Denver are, most of the time is spent with family or or doing you know involved in religious uh, uh, practices at synagogue and. Uh, having a lot of family meal, family time, playing games, uh, things like that, and so there's we don't get to go on too, too many activities, too many tri- uh, too many day trips, but on some trips we do get to do those. And uh, on this trip, the zoo was what we had done. Um, so back to our return flight, uh, we my, my father-in-law kindly, graciously drove us in the morning to catch the flight out of Denver International Airport, a beautiful airport, and uh, we. Uh, didn't have any checked bags this time um, because we left some things in Denver, and so that was really convenient. With just carry-ons and TSA pre-check, which thankfully they had a line for, we zipped through all the process there since we had checked in on our phone. We didn't have to go to the Southwest desk at all. We went straight through with TSA pre-check, catch the little uh, train that they have to take you from security to your terminal, and uh, we were at the gate in no time. Another great thing about the Denver airport that we really like is that there's a coffee bean um, which being uh, kosher observant people, uh, there is not too much food in airports generally that you can get and eat. 
um, other than you know some classic packaged foods such as chips or even some fresh fruit like bananas um, but having a coffee bean and since coffee beans uh, powdered drinks are all kosher I believe everywhere in the country that has one um, definitely the cold drinks um, we were looking forward to having some uh, ice blendeds and uh, we get there and it is closed down and we wait there for a couple minutes and somebody does show up, an employee, and she informs us that the other employee who was supposed to start the shift with her never came. And they have a policy that they can't open up the shop with only one employee on hand. So we were quite disappointed, but uh, nothing we could do about it. So we uh, headed off to back to the gate and uh, we went with plenty of time this time. We went up to the Southwest desk and we talked to them about the idea of pre-boarding because of pregnancy and the lady was very friendly, knew exactly what we we're talking about and said, yes, there is an official way to do it. And so she printed out with our confirmation numbers, she was able to print out a special boarding pass that said on it pre-boarding and informed us that not only do you board after the A group, you board way before that. You board before the A's even board as part of those who have disabilities as pregnancy is considered a temporary disability. Um, and as opposed to the first flight where my wife was mostly comfortable, we really did feel it more on this flight. She simply could not you know, get into a comfortable position for most of the flight, um, despite the fact that we had pre-boarding and we got our, our carry-ons exactly where we wanted them, and, you know, right up in the front there, and we sat in the first row, actually. Um, but still, you know, she had some difficulty, you know, getting comfortable. They warned us that you can't sit in an exit row, which I think makes a lot of sense, despite there being more legroom there. You know, you want the people in the exit row just to be a little bit more fleet of foot in order to, uh, case of emergency. Um, sitting in the first row um, of a plane is an interesting situation because there is that wall directly in front of you, right? So you don't have a uh, a seat in front of you to put anything in a little like uh, you know there's no little pocket there there's only one pocket for all three seats um, there was actually no tray tables on Southwest and a lot of other planes in the first row you will have a tray table that folds out of your armrest here Southwest did not have that um, and of course as all planes say in the first row you cannot keep any bags on the floor during takeoff or landing and so therefore they put you, make you put your backpacks and your purses up top in the overhead compartments. So the bulkhead rows cannot have any bags there, which is a little bit annoying because you want stuff, you know, in the beginning of the plane. During taxi and takeoff, you can't have anything with you. And uh, that could take some time till you get to the runway, until you take off, especially as we saw on our way to Denver. Took, took a lot of time. So we took down the few items that we needed that you were able to hold, and our bag went up there. So I'm not exactly sure whether I like having the extra legroom being in the first row or not being able, versus not being able to have my bag with me. Um, but... You know, despite my wife being a little bit uncomfortable on the plane, we did make it without any incident, and uh, that would be our last trip, our last trip flying. Um, uh, before, you know, while my wife is pregnant, we're not expecting anything else. I don't think our doctor would let us fly any later than we are currently. Um, and so this was an interesting ex flight experience for us. Uh, we had not flown since uh, New Year's when we returned from uh, a trip to Hawaii and Denver. Um and uh, so it had been a good four months since we got on a plane, and I had been itching to get back on there. You know, it's fun to talk about this stuff in a podcast. It's fun to talk about it with your friends. Miles are great to keep collecting and credit cards to opening. But if you don't get to fly, you know, especially the more you get into flying, then you're like, I need to get on a plane. So I was glad to get on a plane. Uh, that definitely felt good. It was good to take a little bit of a break from work. Um, 
I was able to work a little bit remotely while I was in Denver, so we got some work time, some relaxing time, um, good to take a trip, and, uh, you know, hopefully the next trip will be with uh, a little one, so, uh, you know, we'll uh, see how, how that goes in the future. I'm sure we'll cover that type of topic, flying with kids, in a future episode. So that is it for my Southwest trip report to Denver for the Pesach Passover holiday. And that's it for today's podcast. Please, if you like this, if you think this is enjoyable, please subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud. You can find links to both on milesflying.com. If you have a question you'd like answered in a future podcast, and it can be anything from credit cards to your credit score to different miles programs to different routes that you want to know how to book, how many miles it costs, how to use your miles in the best way, um, what are all the options you can do in terms of learning how to book a ticket, anything about traveling, airports, like we discussed in the past, lounges and different boarding strategies at Southwest, all type of topics related to travel, I say are open game. Please send me your questions in advance. Email me at Yehuda, that's Y-E-H-U-D-A, at milesflying.com, Yehuda at milesflying.com, or tweet to me at milesflying on Twitter, or visit us on Facebook. Search for milesflying and you'll find us there. You could post, you could tweet, you can email, whatever you'd like. Send your questions, keep sending feedback. I mean, it's really great. It inspires me to keep going with this, and I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you are too. Until next time.